inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining. Who hasn't ever experienced fear when speaking in public? For some people, fear is occasional, but for many, fear is part of every single speaking experience. Today, we'll hear new ideas and insights about this always intriguing and fascinating topic. So who is our guest today? Maria Mikalauskine helps people share ideas more effectively and turn their fears into strengths. During the last seven years, she has trained countless business leaders, politicians, and conference speakers to find their authentic, unique, powerful speaking style and to unleash their oratory potential on stage. The biggest obstacle in unleashing our full potential is fear. Therefore, Maria focuses on helping people understand their fears and unleash the energy behind it. She is also a coach at one of the world's leading public speaking organizations, Own the Room, which enjoys the privilege of working with such leaders as Sheryl Sandberg, Jimmy Wales, Reed Hoffman, and many more. This summer, Maria walked 850 kilometers on foot, alone and in silence, which gave her inner peace, confidence, and a few stories to share. Hello, Maria. Hello, Oscar, and hi, everybody listening. <laughs> it's a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Oscar. Thanks for inviting. And I can stop by asking you this. Uh, where in the world you walk 850 kilometers on foot, alone, and in silence? Where? Yes, where? Uh-huh. The road, the whole trip, is called Camino Santiago, Camino de Santiago. It's um, a route along the northern part of Spain. Mm-hmm. I walked along the coast of Spain, 850 kilometers, to a city called Santiago. Wow, yes, I heard about this, uh, this route, the pil- pilgrimage route. Yes, exactly. Beautiful, beautiful route and uh, and incredible, amazing experience. I've been studying psychology for many years, almost 10 years now. But during this one month, I think that I understood more than two, three years of studying psychology combined. Because when you look inside, you experience the answers, experience all the truths that are in there. So this is, this was a beautiful period. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting that. Well, and how many days took you? It took me 27 days, including two days of rest. 27 days, yeah. Wow, what an experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a totally different story. <laughs> Worth another conversation, definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> An episode dedicated to that. <laughs> sure, sure. Why not? Sure, but today we are going to... Uh, talk a bit about uh, the fear of public speaking. So I would like to ask you also a bit of your beginnings of this, um, what you are today uh, as public speaker and a speaking coach. Tell us a bit about your beginnings. Oh, okay. There were two beginnings, I would say. (laughs) 
the first beginning was when I was 13 years old, 13, one, three. Mm -hmm. And uh, I fell in love with a man, with a boy who I thought was my future husband. And uh, I wanted to tell him that I loved him so, so much, but I didn't know how. So I went to a rhetorics contest uh-huh. where you recite poetry. Wow. And I chose a beautiful love poem. And I stood there on stage and recited this poem with all my heart. And I won the contest because I was that sincere. Mm-hmm. This boy didn't hear the poem. He didn't need, know that I loved him <laughs> yet, but he became my husband afterwards. <laughs> so this was one, the, my first encounter with speaking on, on the stage. And after that, I was invited to many, many contests in my city, all around Lithuania and abroad once in a while. And a lot of teachers started to coach me on how to speak even more powerfully. Though what was key at that stage and still is, is that I went for the first time onto the stage because of emotions, because of love. So everything I did on stage since my first try was very, very incredibly sincere, very incredibly sincere. And I think that was the key, the magic, which assured that not only did I win the contest, but also I understood about public speaking incredibly a lot. Mm-hmm. And how was your um, your f- fear of speaking at that uh, at those moments? Yeah, this is a beautiful question, and it's very much related to our topic as well. Because when I stood there for the first time, I wasn't afraid, in as if scared or paralyzed. I was afraid as if nervous. I was nervous because mm-hmm. I wanted to share my feelings so badly. But this fear when you're nervous and you does not paralyze you. Mm-hmm. So I was not paralyzed. I was incredibly powerful in every word I said mm-hmm. in that contest. But what happened in a couple of years? I remember it very very vid- vividly. I was preparing to recite a poem in a huge contest. I remember the stage, it was huge, and there were many, many people listening to all the participants. And right before I had to go onto that stage, right before before I had to stand up, just a couple of seconds before that, one teacher, which I knew very little, came up to me and said in very, very, you know, harsh voice, mm. very rigid voice, Maria, you're doing this and that wrong. You need to change this and that. Look how you're dressed. So she she poured a lot of negative energy on me a couple of seconds Mm. before I had to walk onto the stage. And I remember that incredibly vividly, that when I was walking that time to the stage, I was thinking about myself. For the very first time did I do that. I was walking and thinking, yes, Maybe I am doing it wrong. Maybe I didn't rehearse enough and I might make a mistake. Da, da, da. And I focus not on the poem, not on my emotions, not on these things, but on myself. How will I look? How will people perceive? Where will I make a mistake? Where will I make a mistake? And when I stood on that stage that time, I forgot the lines. For the very first time, I forgot the poem. I froze. Absolutely. Just froze. Totally. Couldn't say a word. 
And since then, I developed a fear, incredibly huge stage fear, mm -hmm. which uh, led uh, to me declining all the rest of the context, contests. I didn't participate in rhetoric contests anymore. And I just dropped this line of work, this art of mine, this love of mine. So this was my first encounter with fear. It was terrible. Wow. But uh, the good side mm -hmm. here, the good side here is that this particular event, this instance, together combined with my deep knowledge that I used to love reciting poetry, I used to love standing in front of the stage, made it clear to me that something changed. If something changed, then it can be re reversed, right? So when, once I understood that this urge to be on the stage that isn't going away anywhere, I can hide it as much as I want, but it's still inside me. Once I realized this, I started to look for answers. Well, how do I reverse it? How do I go back to the my initial natural state where I used to thrive on stage and used to love the fear in a positive way of thinking? So, yes, I think that uh, th these two events led me to where I am. Being scared of walking onto the stage and loving that feeling. <laughs> yeah, the two opposites. And, well, this sometimes this happened, but in, in your case, was very, um, um, like, marked your, your life for some part of your life that... Uh, just these minutes or seconds before you go into stage, you you lose the control. Well, in your case, someone puts you negative uh, feelings there. Sometimes you can be just distracted and all your plan can be messed up. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. You mentioned also that uh, about there are natural nervousness that some people can have, you might have on, on this one of these occasions, and that didn't affect you so much. But there also you mentioned the, the fear you know, that you develop, this fear of speaking. So how can you define what is fear of public speaking in your words? Okay, I will start off, if, if it's okay with you, Oscar, mm -hmm. by describing how I understand today fear in general not the fear mm -hmm. of public speaking sure. precisely but fear in general so imagine that we turn back the time by i don't know let's say twenty-five thousand years <laughs> and imagine a man in the woods he's all alone in the woods and an animal jumps right in front of him someone something big i don't know a lion whatever and uh, what happens with this person, with this man? Adrenaline rush, mm -hmm. testosterone levels rise, cortisol levels rise. All the hormones rush into his, his, his body is flooded with all these hormones. Now, due to these hormones, what happens is that this man's muscles tighten up. They become incredibly powerful. His heart starts to beat really fast. He starts to sweat in order to be able to fight, flee for a long time if needed. So all, everything that the body is doing during that moment is preparing 
to overcome the obstacle which is in front of this man, right? Mm -hmm. What's happening is that your body is getting into a state where it's at its peak performance. Super sharp mind, incredibly powerful muscles, ability to fight or run for a long time. What's happening is nature gives you additional energy to overcome the obstacle which is in front of you, which is beautiful, which is incredibly intelligent mechanism of how to help us human beings overcome our obstacles. So to me, the essence of fear is precisely that. Fear is nature's energy to make us powerful. Yet, of course, what you mentioned is that people tend to feel slight stress or they get paralyzed or whatever. The difference between whether you're able to control this incredibly powerful energy or whether you freeze depends on a couple of aspects, a couple of physiological, psychological elements of, a, of any precise human being. Mm -hmm. If you'd like, I can continue by laying out some ideas of what I believe are at the core of why we fail to use this power. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, so the first thing that should come to mind is school. <laughs> Do you remember school, right? <laughs> We're sitting at a desk many days a week for 12 or even more years. And every single day, you were analyzed by a superior person, mm -hmm. superior by age, by authority, whether you're good enough or not. And how did this process go? You write a test, for example, or you stand in front of the class and say something. You do something creatively, maybe even. Maybe you do it for the very first time in your life. And yet still, the superior person takes your work and doesn't look at what you did well, but analyzes where you failed. Mm. Mistake, mistake, mistake. I write you a 7 out of 10. Mistake, mistake. You get an 8, so you're still not good enough. Even if you get a 10, you know that it's just a one-time thing. And you're not going to get it the next <laughs> time, right? Exactly. So this mechanism of treating human beings as good enough, not good enough for 12 and even more years makes us anxious about our results. We focus not on what we want to do, not on the positive things that we're doing, not on, the, not on what we love to do. For example, stand on the stage and share your ideas, your passions with other people. We don't focus on that. We focus on what's coming. Mistake, 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 seven. I'm bad. Once this happens, imagine this. You're in a frightful situation. So you get all this power from from earth, right? From, from nature. Mm -hmm. You're incredibly powerful. But instead of turning all this power 
into ability to overcome the obstacle that you need to overcome, that this fear, this power of fear was intended for you, for you focus all that incredibly huge energy onto yourself, onto I'm going to make a mistake again. I'm going to fail. I'm not going to make it. Can you imagine how incredibly silly and difficult that is for each of us to take all this energy from ourselves in such a negative context? This is incredibly harsh and difficult for us to bear. Yeah, it's too much energy just to to think of uh, of mistakes no? that this is going to fail in having all that in your mind exactly all this energy goes into searching for mistakes and this is a huge energy as i've mentioned many times once you turn all this huge energy into trying to find mistakes of course you're going to find them and of course you're going to exaggerate them of course you're going to make 10 100 times more mistakes because you're focusing your energy on that on your mistakes so this is an incredibly terrible circle that we get into and the main outcome is we lose the ability to use the power of fear to overcome obstacles mm -hmm. and and you believe that uh, the, the energy can be used uh, to our success or yes yes oscar exactly and uh, i i think Not only do I believe it, but I did it myself and I've taught many, many people to do it as well. So it would be, well, maybe not correct to say I know that you can do it because, well, there might be cases mm -hmm. where people are so paralyzed by their experiences in childhood or in whatever stage of life that it's, it would be really, really hard to reverse this, this line of thinking. But in general, each of us, we can reverse this process mm -hmm. and how to do that uh-huh so the first thing the first thing all of you dear listeners <laughs> should understand is that fear is not does not mean that you're a coward fear does not mean you are a coward I love to give this example. Remember, do you remember? Of course you do. I, I bet Harry Potter movies. Mm -hmm. Next time you watch a Harry Potter movie, try to pay attention. How many percent of all the movie time Harry is scared? You will be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> He, Harry Potter is scared for maybe 50 to 70% of the movies he's oh. playing in. He's almost, he's scared almost all the time. But we don't think of Harry as a coward, do we? <laughs> we don't. We think of him as a supernatural human being with, wow, incredible powers and incredible courage. Why is that? Because these movies show us subconscious truths that we already know. Fear does not equal you're a coward. Mm -hmm. You can use fear to become powerful. It's your choice. And Harry does that all the time. During the moments of fear, when he's incredibly scared, 
he turns his attention to what? To his purpose. Mm -hmm. He has a mission, and no matter how frightened he is, he will try to accomplish his mission. This is what courageous people are. This is what we consider to be courage. Not the absence of fear, but a choice that I'm still going to do it. So the first thing to understand here, when you, when you want to master the power of fear, is that fear does not equal you're a coward. Fear is a state, just a state, a state, a state. And in that state, you can do many things. You can do whatever you want. It's just a state. You can change your state if you like. Mm -hmm. And in, ter in terms of uh, speaking, uh, if you are there starting your presentation and you have this fear, so how to change the state to, uh, to strength? Okay. I'll try to briefly describe what our state comprises of at every single moment in life, at every single moment, right now as well. Your state, my state, everybody's state depends on these three elements as I see it. First one is physiology. Mm -hmm. What we do with our body, how does our body feel? I'll go into that a little bit. Then psychology, what do we think about ourselves and the situation? And third, our focus. How well are we able to control our attention? How well are we able to focus on what we want rather than on what happens to us usually because of how we learned, what we learned to focus at school? So these three things put us into a certain state. Now, in terms of physiolo physiology, when you're in a situation of fear, when you're frightful, when you're scared, you need to do three basic things. The first one is you must relax your muscles. You must relax your muscles. You just have to do that. Why is that? When 25,000 years ago, we used to face challenges. They were of physical type, right? A lion, a fight, or whatever. Most of our situations where we needed this extra power were related to physical activity. Now, today, when you're on stage, most likely, I hope, you are not facing any physical obstacles. So all this energy which goes into your muscles is in vain and it gets stuck. It starts to obtrude your actions rather than help you because you have so much energy in your body and you're all tightened up that you just don't have where to put it. You become stiff <laughs> or you start to pace from one side of the scene to another. We've all seen that, haven't we? So the first thing to do is relaxing our muscles. How to do that? There are many, many ways. Uh, you can jog, you can run, you can mm, do push-ups, whatever you want. I love the technique, which is uh, called Qigong. And uh, what you do is you start to shake your body. You start to shake your body. Just uh, wiggle your arms, bounce with your legs you may even jump you have you should bounce your head a little bit as well so that every muscle in your body would relax you can try you can simply try it if you tense 
your hand and you start shaking it, after a while it will necessarily start to relax. It's just the way it is. So before going on to the stage, I do it myself every single time. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke in front of 7,000 people. And yes, I felt the power of fear. <laughs> so what I did, I was standing behind the curtains of the stage and I was wiggling, wiggling all my body, ching, 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 <laughs> bouncing and wiggling every muscle I have in order to relax my body. The second thing in terms of physiology is your breath. How are you breathing? Usually we tend to contract our upper part of our body and our breath becomes shallow, like mm -hmm. <laughs> shallow and very short inhales, exhales. This is very harmful in such situations, again, because of the same reasons. Previously, 25 years ago, you were in nature, you were running, so you were breathing really deeply. Now, as we try to hide our fear because we're ashamed of it, we've misinterpreted it, we're ashamed of it, we're trying to hide it. Therefore, we're trying to hide the deep breathing, which also should come together with fear and the power of fear. Because Why is that? Why should it come together? Because once our muscles tighten up and once we get the adrenaline, the testosterone, all the hormones in our body, most of the oxygen is rushed to the parts of our body which are necessary to fight or to move. So into our muscles. All the other parts of our body which are not that necessary for a physical fight or fleeing are deprived of oxygen at that time. Mm -hmm. So we lack oxygen. Our brain might lack oxygen, our stomach, this is why we have digestive problems, during the frightful situations, we need to give ourselves that, that uh, oxygen that we're lacking because it's flushed to muscles. So what you can do is breathe deeply, of course. That's one way. The other way I like to do it, which, is, which gives you more focus at the same time, not only oxygen, but focus at the same time, is you raise your hands high up, above your head. You can try to do that, Oscar, with me if, you want, if you'd like, all the listeners as well. I invite you to do that. You raise your hands high up above your head and then you inhale when your hands are up. After that, with a very quick exhale, you lower your hands close to your chest and tighten them up. Tighten them up. And push all of your air out of your lungs. All of the air and then you do it again and again for 10 20 times like <laughs> moving your hands at the same time this kind of breathing gives you incredible amount of oxygen and it also gives you a lot of it also relaxes the muscles because it's movement fast movement and it helps it gives you focus a very sharp focus so breathing fast breathing hands down and deep, deep breaths, deep exhales. And the third physiological element mm -hmm. I'd advise for everybody to do is called power posing. Power posing. So if you have a chance, and uh, I would love for each of you to have a chance, you could play a game with somebody, with a person next to you. Maybe 
this very evening. Just ask that person to sit in a very low power pose. That's hands crossed, head down. He shouldn't look into your eyes. Very, very low power pose. <laughs> Legs crossed, bent, very low power pose. And you, you should sit in a very high power pose. So your chest is open, your hands are to the sides, you take up a lot of space, you lean back, your legs are wide, and your head is Oh, your head is um, up. You 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 shift your head up, and you always watch very attentively at every at this person you're talking to. Now, for one minute, you should both discuss together. It's a dialogue, a topic. For example, where are you going on vacation this summer together? Just try to decide in these two poses: one in a low pose and one in a high pose. And then after a minute, you switch. You continue the discussion. You're still talking about your vacation, but now you are in the low power pose and your friend is in the high power pose. You will see incredible changes in the way you think, not only in the way this person perceives you, of course, he will perceive you as powerful, but your line of thinking will change drastically. When you're in a low power pose, you tend to think, oh no, I can't do this. And you tend to focus on your music. When you shift that, only that, just the pose, you start to think, yes, I can do this. I can do that. Your voice changes. Everything changes. So relaxing your muscles, breathing deeply, and pretending to be courageous until you become such. <laughs> so these three physiological advices, let's say, for everybody out there. Mm -hmm. So shaking, number two is... Uh, the breathing and then in a power pose. So these are for the uh, physiological part of um, um, beating the, the fear. And the next is the psychological, right? Yes, Oscar. And how did uh, the first one sound, the first part sound? Are you going to do them? Hmm? I had to try the shaking. I haven't tried that. <laughs> great. It's great. Shaking is great. As far yeah. as you are not with this microphone already, so if you already have the microphone on your belt and your head may be shaking, it's... I do that. You do it? Okay. Yes, so... I do that. No problem at all. Okay. I hold my microphone with one hand maybe and I shake the other and then I switch and things like that. I do that all the time. It's no problem. You can always find a solution. And you don't need to shake like uh, very, very harshly. You can do it mildly. It's still enough. It's plenty. <laughs> it's enough. Okay, if you if you say you have done it, well, I believe it and I will try it. Yeah, it's an ancient technique. It's like four and a half thousand years old. And uh, if you want to go deeper into it, there's a lot of uh, visualization exercises you can do together with shaking, like shaking ashes, black ashes out of your body as you're shaking and imagining that all these ashes is the negative associations you have with fear. And there are many more visualiz visualization mm -hmm. elements you can add to this technique. But yeah, for now, I think it's quite enough just to try out the shaking part and it works on itself <laughs> as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Now, um, in terms of psychology, there are many, many things here. I will talk just of, I don't know, two. How much time do we have, Oscar? I think two of each is, is very good, so please. Two, two, okay. So 
in terms of psychology, I'd like to ask you this. Do you know PewDiePie? Again, PewDiePie. please. Hmm, maybe not. No? Uh, he's the most famous YouTuber out there in the oh. world. Most mm -hmm. famous YouTuber. He has um, 80 million subscribers, I think, and some of his videos are watched 300 million times and so on. So he's incredibly popular. Now, one interesting thing is this. What he does is he plays video games mm -hmm. or horror video games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And at the same time, while he plays horror video games, he films his reactions mm. of himself being scared. When he does that, he lets go, he lets his emotions show, shine brightly. He's totally into it. He's scared. He's really, really scared. You can see it from his face, from his body. And he's swearing also at the same time. And he's leaning back and he gets tightened up. Ah, he's totally into it. He's really scared. But at the same time, he's laughing at himself. And he lets go of these frightful moments the instant he moves through the game. So I believe... It's my assumption that this person become, became so incredibly successful and well-known is because we all understand intuitively that what he does is the right thing to do for each and every one of us. That is, we all should accept our fear totally. Mm. We should allow ourselves to be fearful and we should even enjoy it. So the first thing in terms of psychology is re to redefine what you associate with fear. When you associate fear with your mistakes and the failures you've had in life and uh, being stiff, tightened up, all these things, you turn all that power which is embedded, included into the gift of fear, you turn all that power towards yourself and towards your mistakes. And of course, you're going to fail. Now, accepting your fear, saying, yes, I feel fear. Now that's interesting. What can I do with that? How can I direct this energy? I know that I'm fearful. I accept this. Mm -hmm. And I even enjoy it. This is the first thing you need to do in terms of psychology. Accept yourself together with fear. This is one. Incredibly important. Incredibly important. The other thing is forgiving your mistakes to yourself. Forgiving your mistakes. Redefining a mistake into lesson. Mm. You can imagine a one-year-old child, for example. A one-year-old child. And this is his first day. When he started to walk, the first day he ever stood on his two little gorgeous feet and started to walk. Now he's walking and his mother is watching him and the baby falls, the kid falls and the mother goes, oh, you are terrible at this. Never, ever try to do that again. This is bad for my prestige. What if our neighbors see you do that? Stop. Never, ever walk in your life 
That's it. You can't. Hmm? Does any mother do that? No, no. I remember as vividly as possible the first day my son started to walk. And I remember I clapped and I <laughs> cried and I filmed him tens, tens of times that day. And I sent these videos to all my family members, to my sister and friends, everybody. I shared it on Facebook, definitely. And did many, many things to encourage him to try again. This is love. Now, this is love. This is mother's love. When we love another human being, we encourage him, especially in tough situations. Now, how do we tend to react to our own mistakes or tries? First, for, imagine you're going to stand and speak on the stage for the very first time. This is the very first time you're doing it. The very first time on this stage, the very first time with this audience, the very first time with this content. It's always a first time, right? <laughs> how do we react to our mistakes and to our small failures? Most likely like the terrible mother, which is even unbearable to think of. <laughs> once you switch that, once you start to love yourself and encourage yourself to try again, to try it next time, everything changes. Everything changes. Fear is minimized and you become empowered. You know that at least one person in the room will always love you, no matter what mistakes you make. And that's you, yourself. So forgiving yourself, being able to forgive yourself, being able to redefine mistakes into opportunities to become more powerful, stronger, is at the core of mastering fear. And you can start with tiny things, like just noticing during the day, what do you focus on? What do you focus on when you do whatever things you are doing, working, talking to somebody, going into a store and asking a question, whatever? Do you notice your, what you're lacking? Do you notice where your mistakes are? Or do you focus on, oh, yeah, I did that better this time. Hooray for me. Let's try it again. I'll do it even better next time. Wow. So refocusing your attention, redefining mistakes is second element of psychology. How do these sound, Oscar? Yeah, that sounds, uh, uh, definitely I agree. The last one is um, when you make some mistakes, it's typical, this self-criticism that comes, no? Okay. Um, yeah, I made a mistake and oh, too bad, too bad, or I'm always making this mistake, this, this uh, feelings, this, this uh, thoughts that come to your mind and don't help you to to improve or to feel better and to, to, to be encouraged yourself to do better the next time. Exactly. Exactly. Oscar, you're absolutely right. Yes, totally. Yeah. You need to be aware that you don't need that. You don't want that. Mm -hmm. And you are in control whether you do it or not. Yeah. So exactly. you shouldn't. <laughs> have to be your, your decision, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. This is your decision. You're in power to focus your attention to what you want. And focus exact is uh, the third element. Mm -hmm, exactly. Of Okay, exactly. Of creating the perfect state that you want in case of fear as well. So what I mean by focus, first of all, is um, today people, all of us, 
have very short spans of attention. We're so distracted by all the technology, beautiful, incredibly powerful technology. Yes, it's true, but also very distractive technology that we are not able to consciously choose what do we want to focus our attention on. It's really easy for anything to distract our attention. So even if I learn that I should focus my attention not on my fear itself, but on the mission that I'm on, on my goal in the situation, for many people, it's really almost impossible. It's really, really difficult to do. Unless either the mission is incredibly huge and incredibly important to them, that's one version, which is also unconscious. You just have a mission and you're on it. And that's why you focus on it. And the other one is bringing, expanding your ability to consciously direct your focus. And that's, of course, related to meditation. Primarily. Being here and now and choosing consciously what you're focusing on. So for everyone who wants to master whether fear, whether anything else almost in life perfectly, being able to focus our attention to the thing that we want to get better at or to a precise part of a situation or precise line of thinking, we need to be able to consciously keep our focus on the things we choose. Mm -hmm. So our mind would not wander. So it wouldn't be easy to, for the mind to jump from one idea to another so that we could be in control of this process. And it's totally possible, but it takes time. It takes practice for a person to be able to get into that state where he is able to focus deeply on what he chooses. But five to 10 minutes of meditation a day can incredibly impact this ability. Incredibly. Wow. Just five, 10 minutes a day consistently mm -hmm. is a lot to develop this ability to focus on what you want. So for example, Every single day, I myself in the mornings do a mm, meditation which is primarily related to my ability to focus on what I want. For 15 minutes, I go through three stages of focusing on an object. Doing nothing else, just focusing on one single object. You choose whatever it is for you. It's a, it might be a stone, a candle, it doesn't matter. But your aim is to try to... Notice what's happening inside your head while you are consciously asking yourself to focus on that thing. There's no good or bad outcomes here, no good or bad outcomes here. If you focus and a lot of ideas come into your mind at the same time, it's fine. You are becoming conscious that you have a lot of ideas. This is beautiful. And this is already a huge step forward. And uh, if you do that continuously, you will notice that more and more you can identify how 
what kind of ideas spring into your head and they'll become quieter and quieter and you'll be able to focus on what you choose more and more deeply. Well, that's a great piece of advice and I absolutely agree with the, this, this third element, the focus that it's so, it's so every time more and more difficult to, to get focused in, not only for speaking in public, but for many, um, many activities that we do and that require real focus. And you mentioned the, f the, the mission. So people who have a clear mission or purpose, are less um, less prone to be distracted no, by the for the fear because uh, have you have you met many people who who had this very clear mission and no matter how they are can be have fear they they don't get distracted yes yes definitely mm -hmm. oscar i've met many many people like that yeah. many many people and um, for example i work a lot with tedx speakers mm -hmm. and many of them are people like that i work a lot with business people, startups, and uh, mature business leaders, many, many of them have a clearly identified mission, why they're doing their speeches, why they're standing there on the stage. And this is beautiful because their motivation to redefine fear and to get into that powerful state is incredibly huge. So they'll do all the exercise, exercises I've mentioned here. They'll do it today. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they will do it daily. And it takes just one, two weeks maybe, and that's enough for you to already be able to get into a totally different, powerful state when you're speaking. Well, if we all follow all the piece of advice you just gave us. Well, this is a is a great uh, compilation of um, of things that we we should do for uh, for improving uh, how we face the fear of public speaking. Because I some of them I do or I heard before, but some of them are also new to me and definitely worth to try. So you, you gave an excellent uh, overall um, list of tactics what we can do. I hope they help you and all of your listeners to redefine fear only that alone can make huge impact yes. into how you feel on the stage and to me this is my mission this is my motivation helping people uncover more unleash more of themselves in public when speaking this is beautiful maria could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation sure sure Beautiful. I love this quotation. Wow. I recite it during absolutely every training I do. And it's this. Courage is not the absence of fear. But rather, courage is a conscious decision that something else is more important than fear. Beautiful quote. Beautiful quote. I love it. It's from a known author? James Neil Hollingworth. It's a writer, James Neil Hollingworth. Yes. Beautiful quote. Yeah, it's beautiful, excellent, and definitely summarizes what you have been telling us today. Could you now recommend us one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? Mm hmm Okay, let's think. Um, okay. Usually I uh, 
would say something like uh, Chris Anderson's book, TED Talks, but uh, somehow I feel that in this context, how we are closing up our conversation, I'd recommend um, a man's search for meaning. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor E. Frankl. Man's Search for Meaning. In this book, he's describing the roots of logotherapy. Um, he's a Jewish author, psychologist, who had to spend many years in concentration camps. And there, what he observed is that even in concentration camps, people can be and are deeply, profoundly motivated to live only if they have a why to live for. And he analyzes what it means to discover your why and how this changes your life. This is a gorgeous, powerful, incredibly strong book. I'd advise everybody on this planet to read it. Beautiful book. Beautiful author. Incredibly loving and, wow, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I think it's the second time it has been recommended, but I still haven't read it. So I now that you recommend, I have to put it again in, in my list of uh, next uh, books to read. Ah, yeah. Um, it's a short book. I read it like four or five times. Wow. Marking... <laughs> Every, every quote I love in it, and I really recommend you read it. Uh, finally, Maria, could you um, share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend us doing daily, weekly, a routine mm -hmm. to shine? What I suggest you do is um, m not maybe daily, daily is maybe too often, I would say even, but a few days before a prominent speech mm -hmm. where you think that you might experience fear. So a few days before that, what you might want to do to try out is you stand, right? You stand up and you close your eyes and then you start to shake your body in the beginning. That's the first stage. You start to shake your body from your knees, bouncing your knees, not necessarily very quickly, just slowly bouncing your knees. Then your shoulders, you're starting to bounce your shoulders, your elbows and your arms, all of your arms start to bounce, and finally your head. So your whole body is shaking, 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 shaking. While you're doing this, imagine that this black ash is falling right from your body and down into the earth. All this black ash, imagine it like all the negative associations you have mm -hmm. associated with fear. All of these things, foo, 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 with every bounce, you're throwing onto the ground and they're sink it's sinking into the ground. After you do that, you can imagine the white energy, something white springing from the ground into your body. It's flowing into your body, from into your feet and uh, your legs and all the upper part of your body, your hands. So you're all filled with this positive now association with fear. And you contemplate on that. You tell yourself mentally that, yes, this is what fear is. White, power, 
pure energy, this is which is a gift from Earth, you're still bouncing at the same time. And you're thinking that this is the pure energy that life gave me to overcome this beautiful mission that I'm on, to share what I know. So you're filled with all that white energy. Now, after you do this, you can open your eyes and make 30 deep breaths. As I've mentioned, your hands up and you lower your hands very quickly in a sharp, fast movement and you exhale all the air out of your lungs. Very, very deep exhale. So you do these breaths and that's it. You're ready to go onto the stage. So bouncing, imagining black ashes, filling your body with white, pure energy, which is nature's love showed to you with this additional energy. And then you add oxygen into your body and focus your attention. Once you do that, you'll feel incredibly powerful and also focused at the same time. What you might want to do is add one more third step. I do it. You might want to do that. Is you have this energy and now think, why are you going onto that stage? Tell yourself very clearly, what's your purpose? A couple of times, just say, yes, I want to do this because... Ta -ta 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 -ta. Beautiful ritual. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And I like the um, what you say that fear is color white. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fear is white. Fear yes. is white. Fear is white, okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just pure energy that nature gave us. Pure white energy. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely write down very quick very carefully this uh, the steps you you mentioned put in the show notes of this uh, episode and so everybody can practice i definitely want to practice that yeah and it's powerful yeah thanks a lot uh, maria for this uh, very nice interview telling us a lot about uh, how to deal with the uh, fear of public speaking all your stories and it's been a pleasure to to talk i just noticed it's the first time I'm talking with someone from lithuania so it's been a special time And please tell us how we can uh, learn more about you or follow you, get more of you. What are the best ways? Um, you can find me at uh, on Facebook, Maria Mikalauskine. You can find me on Facebook and you can write me a message, whatever you want. I share my speeches on Facebook, my events, everything I do on Facebook. Mm -hmm. If you can... Um Uh, spell it or say a shorter way to find you? A shorter way to find me? Your website, maybe? <laughs> ah, it's inspirata.lt. Inspirata.lt. All right, perfect. So there's your website, inspirata.lt. Yes, yes. And on Insp Facebook. Inspirata in Latin is the inspiring ones, those who inspire. So it's a beautiful name. It is. Well, I guess thanks you very much, Maria, and all the best. Thank you, Oscar, so much for your openness and for inviting. It's been really a pleasure to meet you and to hear your stories as well before our conversation. Thank you, Oscar. <laughs> best of luck with your, with your endeavors, with your um, podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at 
time to shine podcast.com. Until next time.